if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It most certainly is. And a good morning to you. Thank you very much for joining us as we get started at now, eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the 27th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Big show today. A lot of great guests coming up. And I think each of them has something very important to contribute to our ongoing discussion of the great American shutdown and the great American fleecing of the American people. Coming up in about 40 minutes, in fact, exactly 40 minutes, at 948, Congressman Jim Jordan will join us for his regular Monday visit. Congressman Jordan and I will discuss a whole host of issues uh, related to the Chinese coronavirus. We will talk about reopening Ohio in particular. We will talk about reopening the nation in general. What can be done to force the hand of hesitant, reticent governors like Mike DeWine to get the people back to work? We'll also talk to Congressman Jordan about uh, the Democrats' creation of yet another oversight committee to investigate the president and his handling of the virus. They continue to play politics with the most severe things in our country. And we'll also talk to Congressman Jordan about the cry and the call um, from many states to ask the federal government to bail them out for all of their own previous mismanagement of budgets and funds They want the federal government to pay for everything because of the coronavirus. In other words, states like New York, which have had massive, massive uh, pension problems, they've got a ton of unfunded pensions, uh, you know, billions in unfunded pensions, and those liabilities, they aren't going to be able to handle. Now they're saying, hey, uh, you know, we had a lot of COVID here, so federal government, give us a ton of money. And whether or not that should be the uh, the plan of action or the course, Mitch McConnell says absolutely not, and he is being crucified for it in some circles. So we're going to talk to him about that, as well as, of course, the fake hysteria about injecting disinfectant and the the number of lies that the media will tell. I can't even find the things they won't do to try to embarrass the president and make him uh, look incompetent or inept. So Jim Jordan and I, and I will talk about all of that coming up at uh, about 9.48 at 10.10. Former congressman from Ohio's 16th, Jim Renacy, will join us. Jim Renacy is the uh, chairman and founder of Ohio's Future Foundation, and he has got a lot to say about the future of the state of Ohio if we do not open it up. He has been talking to business leaders and... Um, 
He has uh, been working with them, actually, to try to uh, establish plans that could be put into effect and put into place to try to reopen the state of Ohio and save our economy before all is lost. And I will talk again about the meaning of the word economy as we continue, because some people still don't get it. They think that the word economy is an evil word. They think that the economy is the enemy of people that we are choosing. Those of us who are choosing to try to reopen the state of Ohio are putting profits and the quote-unquote invisible economy over the lives of people that might be affected or might be lost by the coronavirus. People have no earthly idea what the economy is. And we will talk more about that with Congressman Jim Renacci at 1010. And then at 1035, Rob Walgate comes back to us. He and uh, the other uh, brain trust at the AP Roundtable, that's the uh, American Policy Roundtable and the Ohio Roundtable, uh, have a lot of thoughts on the exact same thing about opening Ohio, what it's doing to business, and what it's doing to our civil liberties as much as anything else. And that's something that I'm a big uh, a part of, if you will, that I'm a big believer in and I'm a, a kind of an activist about because uh, I'm working with the Citizens for Free Speech, which I urge you to follow and sign up to volunteer as a part of um, at citizensforfreespeech.org, citizensforfreespeech.org, because the one thing that we can say without hesitation is that the Bill of Rights has been rendered null and void because of the pandemic. Somehow, some way, somebody thought that the Constitution ceased to apply in the event of a worldwide pandemic. Somebody seems to have gotten the misinformation that, hey, all of these freedoms cease to exist if there's a pandemic. The problem of that, with that, of course, is that's baloney. And there are stronger words that I could use there. There is nothing in the United States Constitution that says, by the way, all of these freedoms, protections, speech, religion, assembly, Second Amendment, and all the rest, all of these things are contingent upon there being good health in the country. Because if health starts to be in question, well, all of these freedoms go away. So we've got three great guests coming up. Now, I want to start. Well, do you want the good news or the bad news? I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which one do you want first? And I guess since I can't hear you at the moment, not at least not until you call at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110, I will have to make that decision for you. The good news that I will share with you is that this thing is almost completely over if you keep the goalposts in the original positions they were placed. Let me explain. The original position of the leaders at the state and at the federal level that decided to close down America, close down all businesses and places of work that were not deemed to be essential. Now, we can argue, and will, and have, and will continue to, what essential really means. Why is buying clothes at a Walmart considered to be essential, but buying clothes at, I don't know, Where's my wife like to shop? The Loft. I think a lot of those stores closed anyway. But why are our other boutique clothing stores not essential? Why is that? That's just one example. But the original statement about closing all businesses that weren't considered to be essential was because we can't allow our hospital system and our health care system and our health care workers to be overrun 
by millions of COVID patients all at one time as this pandemic spreads. We have to flatten the curve, they said, so that the peaks and the spikes won't be so overwhelming that we cannot handle them and we will not have to play God and choose life and death scenarios in life and death scenarios. Who gets the last ventilator and who doesn't? That's what we originally told. This is the only thing we're doing is to shut this down, uh, shut down uh, the society, the, the all commerce in America until we know uh, that the system won't get overwhelmed. So here is the good news. Headline, Newsweek magazine. This past weekend, Friday particularly, Newsweek, not, not National Review, not Conservative Review, not foxnews.com. Newsweek. Far from a right-wing or conservative outlet. As a matter of fact, it, like many of the other magazines, such as Time and others in the mainstream uh, media, uh, usually very, very far left of center. Headline, Newsweek. Most U.S. hospitals are empty. Soon they might be closed for good. Tens of thousands of healthcare workers across the United States are going without pay, even as providers in the nation's hotspots struggle to contain the, contain the pandemic. In other words, up in New York, for example, things are still a little bit dicey. But across the vast majority of this great country of ours, that is not happening there. Across the vast majority of America, hospitals are empty and, and uh, healthcare workers are being laid off by the hundreds of thousands. University hospitals closed a bunch of their suburban uh, locations and laid off, what, 4,100 people? We are looking at, in fact, 43,000 in the first month of the crisis. Not UH, that's overall. 43,000 healthcare workers were given their pink slips or at least furloughed or laid off. Because they're not needed. And the reason why, of course, is regular and routine and quote-unquote elective procedures and surgeries were canceled. Because we were going to need every one of those healthcare workers and every one of their, uh, every piece of their equipment, PPE, etc., for the massive crush of COVID cases. That's why we had to cancel all those other things. But the problem was, there hasn't been the massive crush of COVID cases. Remember, Dr. Labcoat told us 98,000 a day in the state of Ohio, not the country, in the state of Ohio. That would mean in what, about six days? What's 98,000 times six? Just shy of 600,000, right? That would be in six days the state of Ohio would have as many COVID-confirmed cases as we have had in the entire nation so far. So far, we're just under 600,000 in the entire country. In other words, they were wrong. They were wrong. The models were wrong. The predictions were wrong. And yes, the prescription for those predictions thus is also wrong. So the good news is the hospitals are empty. There is no threat, no threat whatsoever of hospitals being overrun across this great country, with the exception, again, of a couple of hotspots, which begs the question Tucker Carlson asked a few nights ago that was exactly right. If there was an outbreak of some sort of disease in Montana that was really affecting a ton of Montana residents, but but affecting virtually nobody in New York City, do you think New York City would shut down in solidarity with the people of Montana? Or do you think New York City would continue to go on? 
doing what it does. Of course they would. But because New York City and New York State, particularly as the hotspot, the rest of the country has to follow suit despite the fact that our hospitals are empty. Think about that for just a moment. So the good news is hospitals are empty. The bad news is those goal posts are no longer planted at the end of the or at the uh, uh, back line of the end zone. They have moved them back into the stands. Now it's not just about flattening the curve. Now it's we can't reopen businesses, our economy, commerce in the United States until the COVID-19 virus, the Wuhan flu, is completely and totally eradicated by way of a vaccine. Or, I don't know, sunlight. (laughs) We're not going to reopen until COVID is gone, totally eliminated. And as Donald Trump Jr. stated over the weekend, that may not ever happen. It may be like the flu where it comes back from time to time, or on a regular annual basis. But we're not going to reopen our economy until it's gone or there's a vaccine for it, which, again, we know is a year and a half away, a year and a half of what would be the destruction of the greatest nation in the history of human civilization. History books written in 2150, the year 2150, will start to recall, and in 2850, will start to recall the fall of the great American empire. In the same way, we look back at history, at our history books, and recall the fall of ancient Rome, the Roman Empire. We will destroy ourselves if we even begin to put into place um, restrictions and new norms, if you will, that, that do not allow American commerce and American uh, growth and American exceptionalism to... Uh, to return organically, by the way, organically. We're not even talking about you know any uh, you know sort of uh, artificial means. We're just talking about open businesses up and let people act as they will act. Let people make decisions. If they are in a high vulnerability group, if they are in a high risk category, let them decide to quarantine or to remove themselves from various places that may be dangerous for them. But in advanced societies, we quarantine or we protect the sick or the, the, the at risk. We do not protect and quarantine and place under house arrest the healthy. That is not how an advanced society works. So I've got good news for you about the hospitals. I've got bad news for you about the moving of the goalposts. And I've got the worst news for you right after this. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 926 now. Continue on AM 1420, The Answer. So I want to give you the worst news. I told you I had good news and I had bad news this morning. And I want to give you the worst news now. The worst news is this headline from, uh, let's see, well, I think I got it first from News5Cleveland.com, Channel 5. According to recent polling, some 85% of Ohioans approve of Governor Mike DeWine's handling of the pandemic. 
This is a Baldwin-Wallace University poll showing the state's residents love Governor Mike. 85% compared to 50% who approve of how President Trump has handled the crisis. Not that they are in competition with one another, especially considering they're both doing some of the same things. But 85% approve of the job that Mike DeWine has done handling the, uh, the crisis. Now, what does that mean? Why is this the worst news? This is the worst news, of course, because what is that going to do to Mike DeWine and his decision-making on the phased reopening of the state of Ohio? It should be fairly obvious at this point. He's scared and afraid to open the state of Ohio anyway. And now, listening to Dr. Labcoat, as he does for all of these important decisions, he's going to have an excuse and a reason to stay the course that he's on. Ohioans love it. 85% of Ohioans say, yeah, keep us locked down. Great job, Governor DeWine and Dr. Labcoat. That's essentially what this message is. That's why this is the worst news of all. The best news of all, however, yeah, let, let me walk that back. I would say the best news of all. On a positive note, however, is that this isn't going to be just between Mike DeWine and the voters of Ohio. There is something that we talked about quite a bit last week. There is something called the legislature, the Ohio General Assembly. The state of Ohio has a bunch of representatives representing you and me and senators who have a say in all of this as well. And they have been very, very largely silent. Not saying none of them are talking, but as a group, as a body, they are kind of letting the executive branch and Dr. Acton make all of the calls. And they have not done anything to really push back and represent the people of their state, of their particular districts, um, that uh, want to reopen our economy, want to feed their children, want to restore their health care, want to be able to pay their mortgage, want to be able to pay their car payment, keep the lights on. The representatives of the state of Ohio have been largely silent. That has changed as of this morning, thanks to State Representative Nino Vitale, who is a huge thorn in the side of the progressive left in the state of Ohio. But Representative Vitale has organized and has assembled a nice-sized, a very good-sized, and it apparently looks to be growing, list of Ohio representatives who are co-sponsoring a bill that would force Governor DeWine and Dr. Labcoat to open up Ohio for business. I will share that part of the story with you next. Is Literally, it is breaking as we speak. This great big announcement started at 9 o'clock when we took the airwaves, and now that I'm able to digest it a little bit, I'll share it with you after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 9.35 on AM 1420, The Answer. So there's a lot going on here this morning. As I noted, uh, Governor Mike DeWine is enjoying some incredible approval ratings for his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. My response to that, by the way, to the note that the uh, Baldwin-Wallace poll that 85% of Ohioans um, approve of the job that Mike DeWine is doing, I, I, I would probably rephrase the headline just a little bit there and say 85% of Ohioans who have had the living bejesus scared out of them by the media, a dishonest, lying, corrupt, complicit media, uh, are willing to do whatever they're told. That, that's probably a more accurate headline. 
they approve of the job Mike DeWine is doing because Mike DeWine is, is giving it a fear. And they themselves have given it a fear, and so therefore, hey, we, we like the job he's doing. We're scared. And the reason people are scared, again, is because of the media. The media and the radical left, bottom line. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the, the bad news or the worst news, as I said. Now let's uh, try to pivot a little bit to some positive developments. Let's talk about the legislature. I told you on Friday's program, we talked with um, State Representative Bill Seitz then. He's a Republican from down the Cincinnati area. And I, and I talked to uh, Representative Seitz, and I asked, when and, and how are you guys going to and get engaged here? Get into the fight. Your people, the representatives in your districts, are dying. Poverty kills at a far more widespread and faster rate than this virus ever could. Especially because every piece of new information that we get about this virus indicates it is far, 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 far less lethal than it was originally uh, billed as. You know, we told you last week about New York. The state of New York did a wide, Andrew Cuomo, give him credit for this, did a widespread 3,000-person sampling. That's a huge sampling of a population of 19 million in New York and found that 13.9% of them throughout the state of New York, not just New York City, so this includes rural areas, upstate, et cetera, et cetera, but 13.9% or 2.7 million people have already had it, and most of them didn't even know it because the symptoms are so mild. Right, And when you take a look at that number, the 2.7 million cases, and look at the number of people who have died in New York, suddenly the uh, mortality rate goes down to 0.5%. Guess what? That study was repeated in Dade County, Miami-Dade County in South Florida. Did the same kind of study, found the same results. So many more people tested positive for the antibodies, indicating they have already had the virus in some form or another, some stronger than others. And the mortality rate drops down to less than 1% when you consider that. So the, the reaction, rather, uh, of our, our elected officials to that news, to me, has been, it's come at a snail's pace. Governors are not changing their minds, at least not fast enough. So it's time for the legislatures to get in. So I talked to Bill Seitz about that, and lo and behold, here we go. First of all, we should uh, spotlight State Representative Nino Vitale because he was on this a lot earlier. He reposted on his Facebook page this morning a letter that he actually sent to Governor DeWine in, and uh, Dr. Labcoat back on April 10th. So this, uh, this is 17 days old, this letter, but it's probably more relevant now because it was Dr. Acton who signed the order terminating all elective surgeries. Dr. Acton signed the orders closing all of the businesses. Dr. Acton is essentially running the country. Mike DeWine is, is deferring to her for everything, which is going to have some very, very deleterious side effects, by the way, which we'll talk about later. But this letter was April 10th from Nino Vitale, Representative Vitale, to Governor DeWine and Dr. Labcoat. An immediate call to action to Governor DeWine and Director Amy Acton by Representative Nino Vitale. On behalf of the many citizens in my district who are not getting the urgent health care they need, I'm asking for an immediate repeal of the restriction prohibiting doctors and nurses from providing elective surgeries in Ohio. 
We are currently hyper-focused on the C-19 situation. I've been told by many doctors and nurses that they are shut down, getting laid off, or unable to properly treat patients who have other critical care needs. We cannot be so focused on one pandemic that we create three to five other health care pandemics. All health conditions are important, not just those with C-19. So I'm going to stop there. Actually, one more line. I have uh, also have doctors telling me they have lost 85% of their practices and are either days of the week or so away from closing their doors permanently. This would create a huge number of health care providers to be lost in Ohio forever. We must protect the health of the Ohio health care network. All right. So that's part of the, the letter that he wrote on um, on April 10th. And it's spot on. Spot on. You know what he is discussing? What I have termed animal farm mortality. The left and the media have made us, have conditioned us to believe that the only deaths that matter are COVID-19 deaths. The only patients that matter are COVID-19 patients. And everybody else, you stay the heck out of our emergency room. Stay the heck out of our hospitals. We want to focus on COVID. Well, the problem is there weren't anywhere near enough patients with COVID to warrant such uh, decisions and thus the healthcare, uh, the practices, the doctors are being laid off, the healthcare workers uh, are all being laid off because they have nothing to do. And now they're going to try to reopen that part of the uh, the quote unquote economy, the healthcare part, where they're going to start allowing elective surgeries again, but it's a little too late. So that's just one aspect of this. Now, the second part that Representative Nino Vitale, and yes, I have already reached out to him, I'm sure you want to hear from him. Um, the second part of what he is doing to kind of spearhead the legislative side of this. They released this morning, as our show opened at 9 o'clock, a new bill calling for the reopening of the state of Ohio responsibly. In fact, it's called Open Ohio Responsibly Framework, a data-driven, applied science approach for opening Ohio for all Ohioans. This was just released. It has been co-sponsored and co-signed by at least 28 representatives and growing. So, you know, credit to Nino Vitale for being the uh, uh, the leader of this. But Tom Brinkman, Adam Holmes, Dick Stein, Candace Keller, Reggie Stolfitz. Why am I hearing music? I shouldn't be hearing music right now. Yeah, I shouldn't be hearing music right now. So let me, uh, let me finish this thought, and then we will come back to that in a moment. Um, open Ohio Responsibly Framework lists several guiding principles. Based on current data, scientific application, and actual results, we believe a responsible opening of all businesses, not some, all businesses, can and should begin on or before May 1st, 2020. Number two, we respect past concerns regarding not overwhelming our hospitals, health systems, frontline healthcare workers, and first responders, as well as ensuring there is an adequate supply of personal protective equipment. Three, we respect and greatly appreciate all of the healthcare workers and first, first responders' efforts during this challenging time, as well as all the businesses and organizations that have continued to operate through the shelter-in-place executive order. Four, we believe the COVID-19 virus is a real threat and especially problematic for the more vulnerable, the elderly and immunocompromised uh, people. We should continue our measures to protect this population, as well as those who are infected with COVID-19. Five, we believe in o- an overwhelming number of Ohioans are responsible citizens and care for each other. Six, we believe all Ohio businesses are essential. All businesses are essential. Seven, we respect individuals, business owners, and employees' rights to choose how they protect themselves and their loved ones. That's right, individual rights. 
Shocking concept in a free country, right? Eight, many businesses have already modified their operating protocols to safely function in this current environment. Businesses and organizations recognize if they do not make it safe for their employees and customers, they will not come back. Exactly. Free will. Nine, we respect the right of businesses to not open until they're prepared to do so safely. Ten, many people will choose to continue to shelter in place. We respect their choices and right to make those decisions. You starting to see a theme here? The legislature is calling for freedom. Freedom to once again be restored to people and business owners. Free of the oppressive, authoritarian hand of Governor DeWine and Dr. Labcoat. Eleven, we believe there are and will continue to be major secondary effects from COVID-19 policy decisions. And twelve, we believe it is time to trust Ohioans. They have respectfully followed the guidelines, and now is the time to responsibly open all businesses. All right, that's the 12-point framework of the Open Ohio Responsibility Act being proposed by Nino Vitale and at least 28 others, and I think more are signing on as we go, and we'll update that as we continue. Congressman Jim Jordan will join us next, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine forty eight, we continue on AM fourteen twenty the answer. It's Monday, and Monday at nine forty eight is Jordan time here on AM fourteen twenty the answer. That of course references Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio's fourth congress congressional district representative. Uh Mr. Jordan, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking. All right. The reason I'm fantastic, by the way, is because I saw great news today. Actually over the weekend. Um Ohio, not Ohio's, uh, nationally, our nation's hospitals are empty. They're empty. Yep. And that means, and, and that's a, that's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's a good thing because clearly we are not being overrun with COVID patients. And that should mean we should be able to ret- restore and return right. our businesses to a, uh, to a, you know, to, to operation. But the bad news is, um, governors aren't acting on that information. More and more governors are still reticent to open. They still fear a new spike. And I, I want to ask you, Congressman, um, Donald Trump Jr. said over the weekend something that I find to be very, very troubling and I think very, very accurate. He said that we were supposed to close everything up just to flatten the curve. But now that the curve has been flattened, they are essentially saying we're going to stay closed until COVID is defeated, until a vaccine is produced or COVID goes away forever, which may never happen. Is he right? right? Well, look, we were we were, you know, shutting down things to, as you say, flatten the curve and make sure our hospitals weren't overrun. What has happened to the Another vast majority of hospitals around that? Yeah, well, right. They they've been empty. We we're 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 making it tough for them to make a profit. They're they're, they're you know we we've hurt that business as well, which is in many small towns, many many communities. The largest the largest employer in the community is the hospital, and now we have hurt them so much, and and. And, and accomplished this the stated goal at the start, which was to make sure our hospitals weren't overrun. So let's open things up. Uh, let's do it safely. I mean, I always come back to there have been, a, quote, essential businesses operating this entire time. They've been able to do it. Why in the world can't the rest of the economy follow the right kind of guidelines and open up? Um, you, you know, there's all this talk in Washington about phase four. It seems to me the best phase four open up the economy and let people go back to work. You yeah. can't just keep spending this, making this money up and spending it. So I'm all for us getting back to work, doing it safely like the essential businesses have been doing for the past six weeks. 
But we're going to have to force the hand here in our state of Governor DeWine. He is enjoying immense popularity right now by being Dr. Cautious. Uh, because, uh, I mean, literally, I just saw Baldwin Wallace University poll this morning. 85% of Ohioans approve of the job that he is doing on the pandemic. He is not going to be inclined to open up for business, open up all businesses the way they should on, on May 1st. What can be done to force the hand of, of hesitant governors well, like DeWine? Well, yeah, well, let's see what he announces today, what the governor announces today. Um, you know, and plus he's, he has indicated that he's going to um, begin to open things up on May 1st, which is the end of this week. So, I, look, I'm for, I'm for starting ASAP. I'm for opening things up. I, 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 I applaud some of the states that are doing this. Even, you know, you don't hear much from the media, but even Democrat Governor Jared Polis in Colorado is beginning to open things up. You know, the media always wants to talk about Republican governors who are beginning to relax things and let people go back to work and open open up their economy more. Uh, but Mr. Polis is doing it as well, and he's a former colleague of ours, now the governor of, of Colorado. So let's see what the governor, uh, governor mm-hmm. DeWine says today. Uh, my, my good friend Matt Huffman has put forward a plan that says let local communities decide. Let local counties decide um, through, through by working with their health commissioner and, and understanding of, you know, a fundamental fact that West Central Ohio is not like New York City. So for goodness sake, let's let North Central Ohio is not like New York City. So let communities where it makes sense, let them open up as well. So that to me seems to be common sense, which is, you know, a great trait for Ohioans. We've had this, you know, good common sense here. Let's move forward and not even talk about some phase four, the best phase four legislation. The yeah. best phase four is to open up the darn economy. I feel like Governor DeWine is more inclined to follow Governor Northam rather than Governor Polis, unfortunately. And secondly, I don't know if I agree with with you just there, and that's very rare that I don't, but I don't like smaller office authoritarianism more than I do bigger office. I don't need governments, whether at the county level or the city level, to make these decisions. These decisions need to be made by people, by business owners who can put into place the practices that they seem deem to be necessary to keep people safe and healthy. And We'll know whether or not those work by the customers. They'll decide yeah. to go into places that they think are safe and not by others. We don't need more more levels of bureaucracy at the local levels. Bob, I agree with you 100% as well. But what I'm saying is it, there's a difference, and if the way to get around the difference is is by allowing communities to, working with local communities, working with local businesses, working with the health commissioner and, and, and county commissioners, and if, if that's the way to get around it, I am all for that. What what needs to happen is we got to get this economy up and running as quickly as possible and do it in a safe manner. We're all for that. Who's not, for goodness sake? We've all gotten kind of used to, uh, you, you know, when you're out and about, uh, doing things as safely as possible, but let's open up because we can't. The, the people who say we're, we're going to continue this for 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 how long? We can't do it indefinitely. Yeah. For goodness' sake, we've already spent three trillion dollars, and we 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 got twenty six million people who are unemployed. It's, you got to go back to work. There's just no other alternative. So let's figure out the way that we can make that happen and do it in the safest way possible. That's $26 million until Thursday, when another 4 or $5 million will be added to that, and we'll be yeah. over 30 yeah. and that's, uh, you know. Um, yep. I, I've been, uh, and we have been pressuring <clears throat> Ohio representatives, uh, the, the State Assembly, to get into the governor's ear and express the views of their residents. Um, and they're just starting to do that. Something was released this morning, uh, uh, co-signed by 28 different representatives, uh, written by uh, Nino Vitale. Um, to essentially demand that Ohio open responsibly all businesses, not just phased in mm-hmm. one or two businesses on May 1st, and then we'll see how that goes until we get to June. 
Um, what about from the federal side? What about you? And I know, again, you're a congressional representative uh, in Washington, D.C., but you are representing people in the 4th and Ohio. Can you talk to Governor DeWine? Do you have any role in discussing these kinds of things since you share well, the concerns of Ohio residents with him? Yeah, yeah we, and, and, and we can. Uh, we had a discussion with the governor a few weeks back when this sort of, sort of all started. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we can. It's, it's largely a state matter. And, and I think that that's what we can do is talk about it. And I've been doing that. I've been probably more outspoken on, on television talking about it. it's time to open up the economy. And that's the best thing we can do. And as, as I just said a couple of minutes ago, this, the idea that we're going to do a phase four piece of legislation in Washington, uh, it seems to me that, you know, the phase four, as I said, should be, let's open up the economy. That's the best phase four. That's the best stimulus. That's the best bailout. That's the best, you know, economic growth package you can do is just let the economy open back up. So, um, we're for that, but yeah, we can we can talk to the governor as well. But it's going to be a it's going to be a state decision. The president's been clear about that. He laid out his phase three phase template, three part template for how we should do it. But in the end, it's going to be governors who who decide. But what I think is interesting is if some of these states start fully open up their economy. I I heard last week that there over the weekend there was people organizing uh, organizing van loads of people to go to Georgia to get their haircuts. I heard that to too. Salon to go shopping. So when you start doing that, and governors, it, it, see, this is the other reason why, why we, should, we should focus on opening up. Because if we say there's not going to be a bailout package, which Senator McConnell said for these states and local governments, you say there's not going to be a bailout package, and some states open up, and suddenly other states are losing their residents, businesses going to other states, they're going to be like, wow, maybe we better figure out how we can open up our economy. I, I, you know, I said that, that is, to the governor. I told Governor DeWine that about a week and a half ago, and I said, you know, you are out in front of the curve in terms of shutting everything down. Now that you see that the numbers aren't what your models predicted they would be, and now that you see our hospitals are empty and there's no threat, why don't you get out in front of the curve and open up Ohio first, and guess what? You'll have just what you said, people coming in from other yeah. states to want to come here, open businesses here, or even just to be customers here, for goodness sakes. Of course. Um, You'll get that's that's the beauty of states. That's what the, the whole concept of federalism is, is is partly built on that idea that there's competition and you can you can right. you can move next door and you can go next door and and and, enter, and business activity can happen. So let's uh, let's make that let's make that dynamic work for Ohio. Let's talk a little more about the separation of federal government from states' rights and talk about uh, bailouts. Uh, Mitch McConnell made a statement last week that has a lot of people up in arms uh, and some some even on the conservative side saying, "What is he thinking?" Um, but he's basically saying, look, if your state has mismanaged its funds, and maybe you have, for example, like in New York, they have such a massive uh, unfunded pension liability, we're not going to bail you out because we had a pandemic. Uh, every state isn't every state and every city that lost money during this isn't going to be able to just turn to the federal government and, and I think how Mitch McConnell said it, borrow uh, money from future generations to bail you out because of your own mismanagement in the past. Where do you stand on yeah. federal dollars to states well, and localities that lost during, uh, which everybody did really, during this pandemic well but but he's also saying look you had a problem before the 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 coronavirus came along so why why should the taxpayers that i get the privilege of representing the families and heart uh, and taxpayers hard-earned tax dollars from the from from the fourth district be be used to bail out illinois california new york these states have had huge deficits huge debt uh, unfunded liabilities and now they're gonna they're gonna say oh federal taxpayer bail out new york bail out illinois bail out california and we want the 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 money from the from the citizens of ohio and 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 the folks that i represent in the fourth district of ohio i think he was stating just common sense most people understand that so i actually talked with senator mcconnell last week and 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 appreciated the fact that he is like saying we're not going to just keep spending 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 uh, and that's what we have to understand and again it comes back to all the more reason why we got to get the economy up and running again 
Congressman, um, uh, obviously the last few days have just been filled with the left making hay out of a statement President Trump made about uh, uh, new research into uh, into dealing with the COVID at the you know internal level. And yeah. I, I'm sitting here just blown away by the fact that people think that President Trump in any way, shape, or form suggested, implied, or or urged Americans to inject themselves with household cleaners uh, that are called disinfectants. He did ask a question of doctors near him, is there anything that could be done to disinfect from the inside rather than just like on surfaces, which of course is a question, not an urging or yeah. a suggestion, but boy, oh boy, yeah. no, they, I, they've, they've made this into something it's not. No, of course, and they do that all the time. It's they they, they always, uh, you know, go with some crazy idea that the president the president didn't say anything like that, and and they they want to go uh, go after the president. This is just today's media, and it's why so many Americans say, you know, we don't trust what the press says. Uh, uh, you, you described it exactly right, Bob. And uh, but this is what's who the mainstream press is. I mean, they're bad enough on Capitol Hill. Um, but but the White House press corps and what they do to the president are so bad. I mean, I, I've, I've actually said this to the president. I said, I know what I get. I know how many times the press says misleading and false things about me. And, and Mr. President, you get it every single day. You get it a thousand times worse. It is ridiculous what the press tries to do, particularly CNN. But we've all seen through it. Most Americans now understand it. And the only people who believe anything CNN says are the people who didn't like the president on the first, uh, in the first place. Right. But the rest of the country understands that it's just a bunch of baloney, and uh, we move on. And, and that, that, frankly, it's why the it's why so many Americans like the president because he stands up to these people who lie about him. And I appreciate that fact in the, in the president as well. Well, he's not going to stand up to them much more, it appears. He's scaling back, uh, and I don't know if it's an elimination or just a scale back of the briefings. He tweeted, you know, said, why should I stand there and answer all of these hostile questions from people who aren't looking for answers but are just looking to take me down? Uh, do, do you agree with that, uh, that, that plan? I don't think he should stand there before the Biden press corps every day either, to be quite frank. Yeah, I leave that up to the White House what they want to do. But i got to tell you, I kind of like it when he stands there toe-to-toe. Because I always feel like he wins. I mean, I always feel like you know, like when he just laughs at like some of the, the premise of, of some of the premises of some of their question. It's like, what are you talking about? And I think it sort of it sort of even underscores just how ridiculous they are. So, uh, but I leave it up to the White House and you know, and the president if he's going to do the press events or not. But when he does, I think Americans kind of kind of like when he stands up to these. Uh, I do too, but but it's got to be grueling. It's got to be grueling to do that for two hours every day. Seriously, to sit there and just fend off all of the attacks and the arrows and everything just fired at him. It's got to be. It's got to take its toll. Yeah, but the four years have been grueling. I mean, think about it. We've talked about this many times. This started in July of 2016 when they... When the FBI goes to the secret court and, 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 and to, to, to get a warrant to go spy on the Trump campaign, and they lied to the court. And we know they lied because stuff we've learned from Inspector General Horowitz. Uh, so so it start, it's been four year, almost four years of this every single day. So this president has, has had to stand up to stuff no one's had to, 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 to stand up to. He's had to endure things no one's ever had to endure. And yet he's doing, he's doing a great job. So um, you're right, these two hours are tough. But think about the four years. It's just, it's just like it's the same old, same old from these guys. They're ne- and, and we need to understand this. They're never going to quit. They are never going to stop. So uh, if, the, if he wants to do the two-hour press conference, great. If he doesn't, great. Uh, we just need to understand the lay of the land. And I think, uh, like I said before, most Americans get what's happening. Yeah, I think they do, too. Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you so much for the great work that you do, sir. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Bob. That's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. We went a little late, so we'll be a little late coming back in. But uh, you're going to want to be here when we do, because we're going to talk to former Congressman Jim Renacci next, AM 1420, The Answer.